You're listening to audio from Plank Row Harvest Church located in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church and its various ministries, please visit our website at www.plankrowharvest.org. Be, be careful, big man. Be careful. You will leave your fans here and go home. This is going to be you and her doing hand-to-hand combat, son. Careful be, my lad. Careful be. Kind of crazy. Jed alluded, you know, told you about Gary. I, on Wednesday, Keith and I were working. I I just a, Monday of last week was one of those days where, like, I played a basketball game one time. And literally, I could not miss. I, I think I scored maybe 30 or 40 points in this game. I actually threw a pass to a guy. It bounced off the guy's head, the defender, and went in the basket. That's how on I was. And when you're shooting like that, you just, you just throw the corn to it, right? You just keep shooting. Everybody's like, just give him the ball, give him the ball, you know. And um, that's how Monday was. Man, everything was smooth as butter. And uh, Keith, you weren't with me that day, man. Sorry, brother. That was a good day. Me and Charles had a great day. We, we just kind of drove around, run a bunch of errands, did some stuff. Um, and then Wednesday, and me and Keith are ready to strangle each other. He's like, man, what is wrong with you? And I'm telling you, I felt a burden from Wednesday on. I just felt like oppressed. And Friday, I was supposed to preach at the mission, and we didn't, we didn't work for some reason. I, I don't remember why. But oh, Keith, Keith got hit in the head and thought, thought he had a concussion, so he was laid out. And, and it was just one of those days I just kind of did what I needed to do as far as run errands, study for this, um, get ready for Friday night, which was at the rescue mission. I go to the rescue mission, and Gary was staying, has been staying there. He's staying in the halfway house. And I go in there, and uh, Miss Connie comes up, starts hugging me, and I'm, which is, she, she'll give you a hug or whatever, but she was like hugging me for real, hugging me. Like, she's a big girl. She was putting a monkey grip on me. And I was like, what? what's going on, you know, and I asked this other guy, his name's Richard, who's a solid, solid guy over there, he's been out of prison a couple years, he stays there, he pays rent to stay there, and he stays there because it's a safe place and whatever, and he said, man, didn't you, didn't you hear about Gary? I said, what happened with Gary? I said, did he fall back in the OA? He goes, no, man, he, um, he died of a drug overdose on, uh, yeah, Wednesday, and I just thought, man, that guy, he had it. He was making it. And I'm going to tell you, young people, don't ever t- you don't ever have to smoke a smoke. Never. I'm telling you, smoking ain't going to get you where you want to be. And I'm going to tell you that drinking alcohol, it ain't going to get you where you want to be. It's not going to get you there. The guy was clean for a while. He was in prison four or five years, and he's been out, you know, six or whatever, six, eight weeks. And he went back home, and whatever's calling him. And he had a, a daughter. I met her yesterday, and... He had some grandkids, and they loved him. And I believe that Gary was a saved man. It's hard to say that because you see this, this, this really overt, what we would consider a very sinful thing on him. And, and you, you see that, and you're like, well, that guy, I mean, he probably wouldn't even see. The guy was saved. But I'm telling you that the, the devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking. he doesn't stop day or night. He's like Washington, D.C., they just seek for more ways to put their foot on your neck and just to crush you and steal your soul. The devil is hunting you down, people, children, ladies, with your, uh, your interest in Facebook and all that stuff. He's hunting you down, and he's looking for some weakness, and he's going to grab you by the neck, and he's going to drag you in the woods. He's going to kill you. He doesn't care how you die. 
He doesn't care how you're taken. He doesn't care if you're saved. The devil's goal is to kill men because God loves men. He doesn't care how you're destroyed. He just wants you destroyed. And so you can either have your guard up and have the shield of righteousness and the belt of truth and your feet shod with the peace of the gospel and your sword of the spirit and your helmet of soul. You can have all that stuff on or you can just go run loose and think you're going to be above it because you're a good person. You're going to do your jazz and you're just going to live your life. And it's going to come down, it's going to haunt you, and it's going to get you. And um, if, if Gary, if I learn anything from Gary, I love Gary, man. I had a good time with Gary. He's a good worker. He's a good guy. But, he, but the devil knew his weakness, and he went after him in that, and he fell to that. And, uh, yeah, be in prayer for his family if you would. I don't know why that day was so burdensome. I had a couple bad licks happen that day, and it was just crazy. Like the whole, like Monday was was the 40-point game, and Friday was the, he couldn't throw it in the ocean from the shore. I mean, it was just one of those days. And, uh, but it was interesting. You know, we, 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 I played that song, that Mariah Carey version. Not that our version wasn't good. It was good. Mariah Carey's better. I, just, I don't know. That girl can belt it out, the Oh Holy Night version, you know. If you don't know it, play it. I'm telling you, she's got a note that's up there breaking the light bulbs out. But, um, it says, fall on your knees. Fall on your knees. There's got to be a point of falling on your knees. We sang it this morning. Fall on your knees. Well, hear the angels' voices. You've got to fall on your knees daily and put yourself under the authority of Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in your life or you're going to be took down like Gary. The devil's looking for that little three-legged gazelle. You think you're fast, but you just got three legs. He's going to run you down. He's going to drag you in the woods. And uh, it was just a, it was a real shock to end up have to preach right then to them. And, and they were very sorrowful at the mission. And those people have been hurt a lot of times anyway. And even them, they, even they were, they were just crying. They just didn't know what the answer was. And so the answer is what we're going to talk about this morning. And I called the... Um, the message, introduce someone to Jesus. Luke, we could start in Luke 3.16. It says, one mightier than I is coming, John speaking, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And verse 22 says, where God's speaking, when the, angel, when the dove comes, something like the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove, you are my beloved son whom I will please. I heard this guy talking about how he came to Christ and now he's a preacher of righteousness. Now, we talked about this on Sunday night, if you weren't here. To be a preacher, we think of people that stand in the pulpit, Crossville especially, they call, they call me the preacher. You get up here, you're the preacher. That's not a, a word you're going to find in the Bible as a spiritual gift, preaching. There's a pastor, there's a teacher, there's an administrator, there's a servant, there's a giver, there's no preacher. It says of John that he was a preacher of righteousness. It says of Noah he was a preacher of righteousness. It says of Jesus that he preached. It says of Paul that he preached. But you, lady, you man, you child, can be a preacher. What the preacher is is a herald. It's the same word as the little guy back in the day where the king would have a message. And then the herald takes it to the town. And then he reads it to the town. It's not his word. It's the word that the king gave him to take to the town. So, so I can send any one of you, I can send old Eli over here, or I can send Titus over here to Mayland, and I can say, go preach the word, and then I can give him the word, and all he has to do, he doesn't have to make up anything, he doesn't have to allow the Holy Spirit to speak, he can just open up the thing, 
and read the word. A preacher of righteousness. What Noah did was God gave him the word and he preached it to the people. The people can do what they want with it. It's not, it's not us to convince the people the king sent us. Each one of you is a preacher and you should be a preacher of righteousness. Every one of you. Don't leave it on my neck. Don't leave it on my back to be the preacher of righteousness for Cumberland County or, or, or Pastor Roland at Central or Mike McCoy or, or whoever, Curly over there. Don't, don't leave it on us or Mike Garrett. Don't leave it on the preachers, so on the preachers as we call people around here. All we are is pastors. All we are is caring for you so that you have the vigor, energy, nutrition to go out and preach the gospel of righteousness. So this guy, he was talking, he said, when I was 14, my father introduced me to Christ. And uh, I began to think about that as, as we talk about evangelism, um, that our job, my job is not to save people. People have said that before. Well, Dale saved me. I never saved anybody. You know, I never pulled anybody out of a burning car. I might have, I don't know, I won't tell you what I've done. But I'm telling you, as far as saving someone, I don't have the power. You don't have the power, ability, or spiritual giftedness to save anyone. But you got the power, spiritual maturity, ministry, and whatever, Holy Spirit filling, to introduce someone to Christ. The Holy Spirit does the saving. If you get the opportunity to maybe lead someone in prayer and help them find Christ and the person repents there, I'm telling you, that is a magnificent experience. But it ain't you. If you can get over that, get over yourself. Get over yourself. It's very arrogant of you, of me, to think that I can save someone because of how I presented. That guy got saved. No, sir. That guy was lost and dying. He was desperate. He was a piece of fruit fixing to fall off the tree, and you just happened to be there to catch it. It was a blessing for you to be able to give him the word in that moment where his heart was already prepared beforehand and then thwink, it falls in your hands. When I figured that out a long time ago, it took an awful lot of pressure off of me for leading people to Christ so-called. It ain't you, you arrogant thing. How dare you think it's you? We are nothing without the filling of the Holy Spirit. We're nothing. We're a dirt. God swept up some dirt, shaped it like, I'm sure Adam was a better looking whatever, but he shaped it like this. And he said, go do what I'm telling you to do. Go be a herald. Not a herald, but a herald. Go be a herald. Go be a messenger and introduce people to Christ. It's already, Jed said this morning, it's already the kingdom. The kingdom's already here. God's already on the throne. Christ is already sitting beside him making the calls. It's already here. We don't have to trick people into the kingdom. We just got to tell them who Christ is, and then Christ will do the rest. In a cold introduction, I, it's my, I hated it. I never liked to do that um, in sales to go. All you guys that, at, you know, I know Pete and them, when they, when they start in that business that they're in, they make them do cold calls at first. You just got to go knock on somebody's door like, hey, uh, selling these things, you know, you want to buy one. And, it, you know, you don't know them. They don't know you. You already used up all your family and friends and practiced on them like Amway. You already alienated all of them. And now it's time to go on a cold call, right? Somebody you don't know, right? And when you introduce somebody in an, in an introduction like that, it's different. Um, it, it's hard for us to do because it, it kind of takes us out of our natural. Language. We like to associate with people we know. 
But in this cold call, if there's interest between the two parties, all you're doing is introducing the product to the person, and if there's interest, then you can go forward and make a relationship, right? Not everybody's going to be interested in what you're saying. And um, in this time, in this culture, like you said about Vietnam, 80 million people that don't know Christ, but all you can do is introduce them. And at some point, it becomes on them to uh, chase him down. So you just just try to, I want you to try to kind of work on your thinking this morning, because I think we've done a poor job of this. We have this expectation of, oh, I told these people about Christ, but they didn't get saved, so I must not have the gift of, you don't. You don't. That ain't your job. You got the gift of introduction. That's what you got the gift of. All you got to do is introduce them. Um, and it'll take a lot of pressure off you. That scripture we read in 2 Corinthians, did a good job there, Henry. It says, it, the thing I liked about it was it says, therefore, from now on, in the good, good old King James, it says, from there, now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him no longer. We know Christ in a different way than they know him. We know Christ in a different way than the world knows him. And so it's up to us to introduce him well to them. If we go in kind of half-cocked, we don't know him well ourselves. We go in half-cocked. People get saved all the time by people that don't know Christ all that well, particularly new believers. They feel free, and they're really energized, and they go like, oh, man, I got saved. I'm so happy. I don't even know why. And they, they're like the, you know, they're just wild about it. And people get caught in that energy, and they're like, well, I mean, if he did that for you, maybe he can do that for me. And that's one way of doing it. But... Um, in the days before we were saved, we showed no concern for other people because we were so selfish and selfish, self-oriented that we weren't worried what happened to them. The only thing we worry about is how we look in the mirror when we put our clothes on in the morning and how people are going to perceive us in the day. It's the only thing we care about. How do other people perceive me? We worry about that. People worry about it now. And as you get older, you worry about it less, but you still tend to worry about that. Am I too fat? Am I too thin? Do I get the right makeup on? Do these pants make my rear end look big? Whatever. You got all these issues of yourself, and the reality is just not you've got your concern on the wrong thing. That's what the world has their concern on. But as we're no longer of the flesh, according to the flesh, we know we, we met Christ in the flesh, is what it says. Yet now we know him thus no longer. Now we know him in the spirit, because he indwells us. So no longer should I be concerned how I look. I mean, you know, take a bath every now and then, but it's not this right here that's going to attract people to Christ. It's Christ that's going to attract them to Christ. But you've got to tell them. So uh, as saved men, we're now new creations. We're ambassadors of the world, the Bible says. And uh, I'm sorry, we're ambassadors of Christ. Before we were ambassadors of the world, the flesh, and the devil, we just lived as the world let us live, as we... As we got up, if we were hungry, we ate. If we were thirsty, we drank. If we wanted to do whatever we did, we did it. No longer do we live that way because now we live in the flesh. Now we're ambassadors of Christ. So what does the ambassador does? The ambassador goes. He's, he's a, the Swiss ambassador in the United States comes. He makes a little Swiss camp somewhere. He makes it look just like Switzerland. And when people come there, they're like, this is pretty nice. He's like, oh, yeah, Switzerland's great. It's way better than here. You should come to Switzerland. That's what the ambassador does. The ambassador of Christ does the same thing. When Joel Osteen says, live your best life now, he's a liar. And the truth is not in him. He's a heretic. Because this is not your best life. As ambassadors of Christ, we tell people, this ain't where it's at. Eternity's where it's at. 
we've got to get ready here for there. That's why we dress different. That's why we talk different. That's why we live different. Because we don't live like people of this world. We're ambassadors of the eternal world, and we live there. So since we're not of this realm, now we're no longer alive in the flesh. We are alive, physically alive in the flesh. But now we're filled with the Spirit, and a Spirit-filled man is the ambassador of Christ. He lives in this realm, yet he tells everyone here how much better, how much greater it is to be there. The Bible gives us a bunch of examples about how Jesus could be introduced to mankind, how he was introduced. And in the Old Testament, you'll find those prophets and so on that, that talk about him coming. Best place to look for that, if you're going to go do a search of Christ in the Old Testament, you might want to do some online searching because it's kind of hard to find because it's so subtle, but it's there. Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah, probably your best bets there to find direct references of the Messiah to come where it describes his personality, um, describes how he's going to be treated, even describes what he looks like. He had no beauty, no comeliness that we would, that we would desire him. So he was an average-looking Joe. He was an average face. He wasn't a super handsome man. So, they, so we can, so we can um, begin to look for him. That. But in searching for him in the Old Testament, that leads us to the New Testament. That's where I want to start is in Matthew chapter 1. So we're going to be in Matthew 1, and we're going to be in Luke 1 and 2 and, um, this morning. And we're going to see how Christ is introduced to men. Something that we really commonly do when we introduce, if you're at Matthew 1, you'll see that that first, where are we at there, first about 17 verses is about his lineage. And I was telling Zach, I warned him this morning, but um, this is a very common way that we introduce people. So we'll start with Abby since Abby's here. She's young whippersnappery. So when I, if I had Abby and I, had, I was going to introduce her to someone, Abby Miller, and I was going to introduce her to someone, I'd say, well, this is Abby. You probably know her mom's school teacher over there at Pleasant Hill. And her dad is, uh, you know, does construction, used to cut wood. Well, you probably know her grandpa, Alvin Miller. He was the man around here years ago cutting timber and stuff like that. And, and so I would, I would create this picture of who Abby was because of what her lineage is. Well, I know Zach because he does this. He's a potato farmer and uh, whatever. If you need some potatoes, man, just giving you a plug there, Zach. Zach's got the potatoes. But uh, he's got potatoes, you know, he's doing construction, he's cutting timber, he's doing these things. And then his father, what his father does, he worked for, he worked for the, the, uh, the limestone place for years. And then his grandpa worked for, um, worked for himself cutting timber and, and built log cabins and did all this stuff. So, so Abby's lineage, who Abby is, is not really who Abby is, but it, it's the way we introduce her. You'll know her because you know this about these people. So young people, present your family well. Do, do a good job of, of honoring your father and mother and living a clean life and, and honoring them and in, in being respectable because you are a reflection of them. Parents, be respectable so that your kids can use your name as a positive and not as a negative. So that's what's going on here in, um, in this day. They're saying, well, this is Jesus. You remember his father, David. You remember his great-grandfather, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You remember uh, Seth, and you remember Adam, and not only that, he's connected directly through this pure line all the way to the Son of God. Like, oh, okay, I know this. It was kind of interesting, I read a thing about this lady, a Jewish woman, who came to Christ listening to Christmas songs. When she was a kid, she went to a public school, and we were singing these songs, O Little Town of Bethlehem, back when you could sing songs like that in school. 
And uh, she's like hearing about this star in Bethlehem. She's like, Bethlehem, that's in, you know, Israel. And, um, and in, in even O Holy Night and the shepherds and the angels. And she's like, well, I know about shepherds. I know about, I mean, they're in the Old Testament. And through Christmas carols, she found the Messiah. It was crazy. And the first thing she did was open the book to Matthew. I think God made it the first book of the New Testament for a reason. It's the most Jewish of the New Testament gospel books, uh, of the New Testament, really. The most Jewish, except probably Hebrews, but, but Matthew from end to end is Jewish parable after Jewish parable. And, they, and she started reading the genealogy of Jesus. She's like, wait a minute, all these are Jews. And she was led to Christ, and her husband was... Moish, is it Cohen, the guy that started Jews for Jesus years ago? And she was led to Christ first, and she led her husband to Christ. And I thought that was a pretty neat little testimony there, but, but found it through Christmas carols. Who'd have thunk? But uh, anyhow, so we have this long list of the genealogy of Christ. So first, the first thing, first great introduction of Christ that we could find, if we had to, if we had to lead someone, if we had to lead a Jew to Christ, we could, we could take them to Matthew. And we could show that he comes from a long line of Jewish people. And that they would know these names. They would know Judah. They would know Solomon. They would know David. They would know Asa. They would know Hezekiah, Josiah. They would know all those names that are in his list. They would know that from the list of kings. They would know all that going further back there um, uh, into Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so on. So Jesus is first introduced through God's word by God to men. The next way he's introduced is through uh, God and the Holy Spirit. If you went to John 1, 1 through 5, I know we've read it a million times, but we, it never hurts to read it again. John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it so he was introduced by god to men in each of the gospels he's introduced one way or another similarly like god introduces jesus in a particular way he introduces him to mary he introduces him to zachariah through his wife elizabeth and to john he but he always starts with god or an angel or something like that presenting it to them it says in um, uh, from so from God and the Holy Spirit then we got to the angels Luke 2 um, Matthew Mark Luke start at verse 8 so we have God presenting it first through his word the Holy Spirit the way he works the implanting of the word of life into Mary who carries the baby Jesus is filled with the Spirit from, well, in the womb, like John, like Mary, like Elizabeth. Those are the only people that I know of um, that were filled with the Spirit. Not uh, Samuel, I think it says that of Samuel as well. But they're the only ones that says they were filled with the Spirit while still in the womb. Unusual, unusual uh, occurrence there. But Luke 2, start at verse 8. So Jesus is born in verse 7. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone about them, and they were greatly afraid. <clears throat> then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you that you'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
Suddenly there was an angel with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, <coughs> Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let's now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. So the lowest, I mean, we don't have a lot of shepherds around, but uh, in Peru and places South America that I've been, Africa, the, they usually are younger people that they send out to guard the animals. They don't get to go to school. They guard the animals. Animals are so valuable there. Food is rare. They send these young people out. They don't get to be schooled. And they just sit out there and watch the sheep all day. And then at night, they bring them back in. These were the low rents of society. They could be hirelings or they could be relatives, but they usually weren't the genius of the family. So they send them out there. They watch the sheep. They care for the sheep. So to the lowest rents of society, the angels bring the message of the gospel first. To the lowest of the low. They were the first to hear the Messiah's arrival in that day, and they immediately became preachers of righteousness. It says there that they came with haste, and when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning his Christ. Who, well, who is this guy? Well, the angels told them, I bring you great tidings of great joy. David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and it will be a sign to you. And he tell them, they, he go, they go to town. They hear these low rents, these homeless the lowest of the low, they hear the gospel and they run to, they go see the babe, they see that it's true, it's been proven to them, they were introduced to Christ, they see that it's true, they bow the knee, they worship, then they take that moment and they go to town and they tell everyone what they've seen. Remember the Samaritan woman does the same thing. Come and see this man who told me everything about myself. He knows everything. That's what you do. So the lowest rent of people, the lowest of the dregs of society, become the first kind of preachers of righteousness in this era of Christ being in person on earth. And they went and told that these weren't seminary trained guys. These guys weren't even Sunday school teachers. These guys hadn't been to Sunday school class. But the Lord revealed himself to them, and they took the message of salvation, and they went and told people about it. These guys, were they just slept outside but because God's grace was revealed to them for their joy. They couldn't be restrained from preaching and, and giving the good news of Christ. With you, have you not heard the good news of Christ? So God, the Holy Spirit, angels, the shepherds, and then the next people that were, that were introduced were the devout. Those, these are people that were already, so the, so the shepherds are not looking for the Messiah to come. He just comes to them, okay? The next is the devout. These people were actually looking. And it's right there. Uh, it's back in uh, uh, yeah, Luke uh, 2, 25. It says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was a just man and devout, waiting for the consolation. If you see consolation or what, you got another word there? Consolation of Israel. The consolation is capitalized. He was, it's a person. And the Holy Spirit was upon this man. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the God's Messiah, God's sent Messiah. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents, when Mary and Joseph brought him in, brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of law, to have him circumcised. 
He took him up in his arms and blessed him. When he saw him, he recognized him for who he was because he had the spirit in him. When you see a Christian out and you can recognize it on them because of the spirit that's in you and the spirit that's on them, similar thing, but this was very powerful and this was of God, of course. Took him up in his arms, blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. I can die now according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Simeon's not a Gentile. Why does he care about the Gentiles? And the glory of your people, Israel. He gives the Gentiles the first position. And uh, Joseph and his mothers marveled at those things which were spoken. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, for a sign which will be spoken again. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Simeon, what a guy. I, I met people like Simeon, you have too. These are those remnant guys that are hanging out in that dying church. The church is sick unto death. And there's one old dude, one old lady. There's, there's a lady at First Baptist Church, reminds me of this lady named Carol. Really sweet lady. I mean, that lady is on fire for the gospel. She goes out and does everything in her power to lead people to Christ, to encourage people. She goes to Marlene's house all the time, prays for her. And um, I don't even know if her and Marlene speak in the same language, but I'm telling you, she loves Marlene, prays with her, cares for her, cares for Marlene as a widow, is just doing the work of a minister of the gospel all the time. And she has a hope in her heart that at some point, the old will be returned to the lamp of First Baptist and that church will take off again. That's Simeon. He's in a culture where the culture is dying, the church is dying, the temple is dying. It's a bunch of fakers doing fake stuff. And this guy is waiting for the consolation. He knows the Messiah is coming. And he's going to remain faithful to the end, no matter how anybody else responds, no matter how anybody else acts, no matter whether they come to service or they don't, he's going to go and he's going to preach the word. He's going to be ready, all his armament on, ready to do the work of a servant, of a minister of the gospel. And in this next lady, Anna, it says, verse 36, there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phinuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age. And had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. So she was, from the time she was a teenage girl till she got married, she, she lived with her husband for about seven years, and then he dies. This woman was a widow of about 84 years, so she dies, or she's still alive, she's 84 years old now. So from seven years of marriage to 84, she just lived as a widow, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all who looked for redemption in Israel. So, so again, this Holy Spirit that's within Anna, she recognizes the Holy Spirit that's on these people as they bring the Messiah in. She was ready. She was looking for the Messiah to come. She was ready. Simeon was ready. I'm going to tell you about this lady. I, I, our Strong sent me this little article. And um, there was this lady named Gail Blair. And she was a nurse and, um, and in Rhode Island. So even though she was a Yankee, had positive qualities here. No, I'm joking. No, she was a, a, a nurse in Rhode Island and got some kind of wasting disease and it, and it blinded her. And so from that day on, she's blind. She decides that she's going to make her ministry go into this local park and giving out the gospel of John and talking to anyone who wanted to hear the gospel. A blind lady. She goes there every day. Well, the people, it was like kind of a semi 
public private park and library but it was open to the public enough that it was considered public so people began to complain about this lady who was so uh, verbal about proclaiming the gospel and the in the in the park said you can't come here and they actually tried to have her arrested which is so crazy this happened in 2020 it happened recently and so she found this group called uh, what was it called first liberty took her case to the Supreme Court I don't think it made it that far it was it's handled by a lower court but and they said no you're trampling on her First Amendment right she has every right she said what was funny she said you have every right to be there she said what was funny was they kicked me out of the park and the library she said I never went to the library but they told me I couldn't go to the library either but anyway, so as soon as they said, no, you can't keep her out of the park, she goes back to the park, a blind lady, and hands out the Gospel of John every day. That's what she does. That's her ministry. She was Anna. She had a ministry, a widow of about 84 years, but did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayer night and day. And she spoke of him to all who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. That was her mission, to speak of him, to introduce people to God night and day to tell them that your redemption look up O Israel your redemption draweth nigh lift up your head you gotta look up I thought that was a pretty neat uh, story there speaking of him to all those who look for redemption so we got God the Holy Spirit we got the untrained shepherds introducing Christ we have the deeply spiritual person introducing Christ and now we have the nations who seek him while he can still be found it goes back to Matthew uh, Matthew 2 1 and 2 it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where this Christ was to be born. And they said, The Gentiles, the non-believers said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written of the prophet, and he tells them where it's at. The people, the Gentiles, knew more about the Messiah than God's chosen people. How pitiful. And who are these people in this day? These are the people that attend the churches throughout the United States and Europe and all these places that have been Christianized for so long. And the churches have gotten weaker and weaker and weaker, where a large number of the people in the churches, due to bad preaching, bad leadership, you know, not reading the Bible, not studying the Word, not knowing the Word. Their, their churches became weaker and weaker. And before long, they had become more secularized than the world. And so some guy can come in from a rescue mission or come in from recently being saved and know more about the gospel than the people that go to church did. Mark Underwood was telling me when he first started going to a church, he would ask people, he said, because there was so many problems, he's like, he would ask, go up to the, like, the deacons and stuff and said, Hey man, are, are you, do you think you're saved? And he said, they would get furious at him. Well, of course I'm saved. Are you saved? And he's like, he says, well, because if we're saved, it should look different than this. This doesn't look right. You guys are really mean. You guys are really ugly to one another. You guys don't want young people to come to your fellowship. You don't want to take time to care for the widows and the orphans. You don't want to preach the word. You want to be 10 minutes and out of here and, and live the rest of your week like, like the world lives. I mean, are you, are you sure? And that's what needs to happen within the churches. Billy Graham in the 60s, I listened to a message of his the other day. I got the Billy Graham channel on XM. It was free for three months. 
I listened to Billy Graham for like the last week. And one of his messages from the 60s, he's like, evangelism needs to start in the churches. That was in the 60s. It was already broken. It was already breaking down. Because people no longer sought the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They no longer reading the word for themselves. The preaching had gotten weaker. They had opened the doors to every kind of heresy, trying to include more people in the fellowship. They're saying, yeah, whatever, man. We'll let you believe whatever. Just come to church. We just need more people in the church. We got more people. We got more giving. We can do more stuff. And the stuff they were doing was not the stuff that God has called us to do. And it was a tragedy. Billy Graham saw it in the 60s. How much worse is it today? It's worse. So we need these guys. We need these guys that pop up. We need Mark Underwood can be an abrasive guy. I love him like a brother because, that's his name, Brother Mark. But I love him because he's willing to speak the hard word. I found myself apologizing for him at times, but at the other hand, I'm like, man, we, we probably need to hear that. People need to hear that. They need to hear that you think you're saved, but you may be lost because your life is not showing us any, there's no fruit. Where's the fruit? If you're saved, there should be some sort of fruit. There should be people getting saved around you. There should be widows and orphans being cared by you. You should have a love that looks different from the love of the world. Not, you should have a love for all people in your fellowship, no matter how they smell, no matter how they look, no matter whatever. You should love them. And if you don't, well then, examine yourself and see if you're of the faith. It's what the Bible tells us to do. It's not a slight. It's an admonition. It's an encouragement. Look at yourself. Make sure you're saved. Because if you're not saved, the fiery pit lasts forever just like eternity does. Make sure you're saved. Live like saved people. Live like free people with your head up. They came. Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? I never heard about that guy. They had to tell the temple. They had to tell the Pharisees. They had to tell the people of God, God's here. Emmanuel, God with us, is here. All we got to do is go, we just got to go see him. Let's go. You can go with us. Man, sad. Matthew 10, 2, 10, 11. It says, when they came into the house, I mean, these guys were, these guys were kind of college professor types, right? These were kind of, uh, we might even, uh, what, would, what would we think of them? They are kind of philosophers, professors, brainiacs. They were wealthy. They weren't necessarily kings, though we sing of the three kings, but they did have prestige where they were from. They were the same variety of people as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were the same variety. They'd been highly trained in the arts and music and in poetry and scriptures of all countries. And they came, and when they came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. Fall on your knees. When they opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They gave the best that they had. And they knew this because they had studied God's word, the Old Testament prophets, Daniel and Isaiah and Jeremiah, where he had introduced the Messiah to them. And they had looked there because they wanted to know, is there hope for me as a Gentile? And there was. They came in search of Emmanuel, God with us. So God, the Holy Spirit, the angels, the shepherds, the devout, then the lost, I guess, or the Gentiles, and then John the Baptist. And then after John the Baptist, the disciples, and after the disciple, you know, the disciples slash the apostles, then Paul, then Timothy, then Titus, and Peter, 
and then whoever it was that came between them and today, whoever it was that at some point eventually introduced Christ to you. How many, how many people, anybody here introduced to Christ through a Bible track? Anyone? Like the first time you ever heard about Christ, you saw it in a Bible track. Anybody? No? How many from like family? How many from like going to a church and then some little old lady gave you the word? What was that little Paul right there? Was that you, Baylor? Did you hear it at church? Huh? Family? Okay. How many from a Gail Blair, some public place lady that gave you the gospel? You know? I mean, we are, you, if you have heard the gospel of Christ and you bit, you, you heard the introduction and you bit on it, and you came, how blessed are you? You man, blessed beyond measure. John 1 7 says, The same came, John, for a witness, to bear witness of the light and all men through that all men through him might believe. John came, he couldn't save anybody. He says, I will baptize you with the baptism of repentance. There's one coming that's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. One or the other. You're going to get it one way or the other. You're going to get it with the Holy Spirit with fire. You know, You know. how many, does anybody, you can raise your hand or not. We're almost done. Does anybody have any regrets about not, <laughs> Henry's got regrets. Good job, Henry. All right, let me finish the sentence, brother. Uh, about being introduced to Christ and not following right away. Christ, you know, here's, Here's the, here's the, um, the fishermen, right? Bunch of dummies. And Christ walks by. Bunch of, I mean, these guys were dumb. They were maybe 13 to 15 years old, these guys, right? And Jesus comes by and says, follow me. And they're like, okay. And from right then, they begin to follow him. Man, I wish I'd have done that. Don't you wish you did that? Isaac did. One spiritual guy. But the rest of us, no, I'm joking. The rest of us, man, we, it took time. It's the introduction thing. It's the not trust. I think it's, you know, what kept us away? Was it the law? Was it the rules? I can't live the way I want to live? Or was it just, I didn't know him, and I didn't know what he wanted from me? You know, some of that stuff you got to kind of grow into. Even when we accept Christ a lot of times, we accept him at this point. And there's this kind of stumbling along that, you know, especially if someone doesn't like immediately take you under your, his wing and kind of disciple you a little bit. But if that doesn't happen, you're kind of stumbling along for years. Man, I stumbled along for years until finally I was like, man, I better get you. I mean, I was introduced to him way back here. And then in my, it took me to my 20s before I finally like, I probably should read the book. And I start reading the book. And I'm, I'm thinking, this wasn't who I thought he was. This is different from whom I, I, told, I was told he was. So young people don't, don't have regrets. Start following now. Start being like the disciples. See, here's the thing. We, we think of young people as, as dumb, and what they are is ignorant. They just don't know any better. But it's better to be ignorant and be seeking wisdom and growing in grace like that. Right off the bat, you'll save yourself so much grief. Yeah, you're going to goof up. You're going to tell people stuff that's not in the Bible accidentally, you know. Um, a bird in a hand is worth two in a book. It's in uh, two in the bush. It's in the Bible. Uh, sorry. 
It's not. But whatever. You're, you know, start with what you know, and God's going to bless it, and he's going to care for you. You don't have to go, you don't have to wait till you're 40, 50 years old to, to get it turned around and begin to follow with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. You can do it when you're young. Man, the regrets you'll save yourself. But one way or another, all of us were introduced at some point. And like I said, it's really up to us as an individual, every individual person, to go from there to understanding, to knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection. It's up, up to each individual person to know that, to, to grow into that. The introduction, I, if I can encourage you in anything today, um, go, go with John's simple gospel. It, he just, he went, I mean, this is the brother Mark trick. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. You're like, man, that's really abrasive. Yeah, but if you don't repent, the fiery pit is going to be abrasive too. It's going to lick your skin off your bones, and it's going to keep doing that forever, and it's not good. So take my hard word now and know that I'm giving it to you out of love because it shows that Jesus gave the exact same word as his first message. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. I'm here now. Repent and follow me. I, I want to just read you this out of Luke it's Luke 1. This is the, the last scripture. So Luke was not running around with Jesus Christ. Okay, he comes later. And so what Luke did was he went and interviewed anybody and everybody. He went and got the scriptures that had already been written about Christ. He went and researched who Christ was, and then he wrote the book of Luke. So in the book of Luke, some of, the, some of the things are in some places a little bit out of order than they would have been in the other Gospels, but it's all there. But look what it says at the very first, first four verses of Luke. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who were from the beginning eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you are instructed. There was in those days of Herod, blah, 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 blah. Here's the, here's the key word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus. This Theophilus word, it's, um, it's friendly God guy. That's what it means. Friendly, godly guy. Loving, godly guy. He was, uh, I think it was, uh, they think, they believe, scholars believe, that he was like a Roman higher up, governor, general, somebody, that, uh, that he was just keeping his name on the down low because he addresses another letter to him. Which one? Acts. He, he addresses Acts the same way. You know, this guy was a searcher. And so Luke's like, I'm going to do everything in my power to introduce Christ to this guy. But these are lovers of God, theo, God, philo. You know, remember uh, phileo, the, the word phileo, that type of love. So God lovers. So this book is written to God lovers. And oh, that's kind of a play on words there. He was written, writing it to a specific guy, but he's writing it to you, God lovers. So that you can know who Christ is and the power of his resurrection. You can know by reading this book written right to you, God lovers. Gentile God lovers. Theophilus wasn't a Jew. He's a Gentile God lover. You're a Gentile God lover. I hope you are. 
And this book was written just to you so that you may know the certainty of those things in which you are instructed. And he starts with the days of Herod. He starts with the birth of Christ. He starts with this really simple introduction in those days. And then they had a, they had a thing where they had to go to another town. And, and they had to sign their name up on the list. And they had to vote. And they had to be counted. And then they, he goes right from the beginning. And he tells them who Jesus is. And, and he had to do a lot of research to come up with this. And we know that it's, it's driven by the Holy Spirit through his pen because it doesn't contradict anything that's written in the other Gospels, though he wasn't alive, or he wasn't walking with Christ in that day. I don't know if he was alive or not, but this is 60, 70 AD when this is written. So Christ had been dead 30 years, at least. But it's, it's dead on. Holy Spirit guided his pen, and it's dead on. And he wrote it to you God lovers out there. So as a God lover, you really have no excuse whatsoever. You don't have to do the research. It's all right here. All you got to do is read the book. And then as a God lover, you can become a preacher of righteousness because you got it in the book. And you just take this book and you go over there and you read it to somebody else. You say, man, I just got to, I just want to introduce you to Christ. I mean, I can see by your life and the way that you live. I can see by your spirit. I was, I was in an airport and uh, there was this black lady there. She was loud and telling jokes. She was crazy. But every time she would say something, I was like, that lady's a believer right there. And she worked for the airline somehow. So I just walked over there. I was like, I said, hello, sister. She goes, hello, brother. I said, she goes, you're a Christian. She asked me. You're a Christian, aren't you? I can see it in your eyes. That's right, sister girl. I'm a Christian. <laughs> we had a great time. I know that girl from nothing. But it was honor. The spirit was honor. She probably went to some dancing, Pentecostal flag waving, shouting, who knows. But the girl knew Christ and the power of his resurrection, the lady. She was probably 60. You know when you meet them. You know, you, you know when you meet a God lover. I'm always surprised when I meet like a really nice person and they're not a God lover. And that throws me off because those people are kind of hard to reach because they know they're a good person. And you're like, hey, you're lost, man. Um, introduce people to Christ. Interact with other God lovers and be encouraged. When you see it on them, interact with them. and get. I mean, I needed some of that lady's energy. You need that energy sometimes. You need that energy to come on you, that, that Holy Spirit kind of, you're kind of washing each other, you know. We need that, man. John wrote a book for the same purpose as Luke did, 1 John. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. You may know. You don't have to be Billy Graham. You don't have to have the gift of evangelism. I hear, I was listening to his messages. He's just preaching along. Kind of, I mean, it makes sense and it's, it's okay. And he's like, I'm going to invite you now to come up here and pray to receive Christ. Come on. I'm like, are you kidding me? You didn't even like put the heat on them or give, you know, get them emotionally all twisted. Over. You don't have to be Billy Graham. He's got the gift of evangelism. I'm, you probably don't. But what you do have is the gift of preaching. Every one of you does. Because if you're a God lover, then it's on you to be a herald of the gospel. And what better time than the time of Christmas to introduce people to Christ? He didn't stay a baby. We, we, we sang that in that song today. You know, 
So, Emily, I, I appreciate your emotion and your, and your love and your recognition of who you are as you stand before God, that without, without his blood shed for me, there could be no remission of my sins. I can't be free. But with his blood shed for me, I'm free. And if you're a free person, why are you walking around with your head down? Why are you walking around in fear? Raise your head up. Only a person enslaved or a person in prison walks with their head down, not making eye contact. Raise your head up. It says, raise up your eyes. Your redemption draweth nigh. It's here. You've been redeemed. If you've been redeemed today, or that song, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So, say so. Tell somebody. I was hoping we can, I meant to put them out there, but I got behind today, but I got plenty of Gospels of John. Man, give out one Gospel of John this week. You can see. You can even see the person you're going to give it to. That other lady's blind. She's just like, you got one of these yet? You can see the person. Give it to them. Proclaim the gospel today. Be a preacher of righteousness. Tell the world who you know. And let them begin to build the relationship. If they're interested, they'll build the relationship. Follow up with them. You're just introducing them. Hey, I want you to meet my man. I, I mean, truly. If I was going to introduce Jed, I want you to meet my man Jed. I just tell people. It drives Charles crazy. I do it to him all the time. I want you to meet my man Jed here. I, mean, I want you to meet my man Charles. Charles like, oh, he's ready to run. I'm like, I was like, it's my boy. You know, he works for me. We have a good time together. Lives at the house. You know, he's a good dude. And uh, he's ready to run. We get in the car. He's like, why do you do that to me? You know, that's what we just introduce them. And if they like them, they'll talk to them. And they'll get to know them. But at least introduce them. Don't, uh, don't be shy and introduce some people to Christ, okay? If this morning you never heard such a thing, which I'm, I'm sure you have if you're here. Most of us are, have been here consistently. But if you don't know that you know that you know that at the last breath that you take, the last choking pneumonia cough you have from COVID, the last whatever happens to you right before the bus hits you, whatever happens, if you don't know that you're going to die and go to heaven, if you don't know that, Make today the day of your salvation. I wouldn't have believed in a hundred years that, that Gary's breath would have been his last breath on Wednesday. I never, would have, I never would have thought that. You don't know. And though he had a part of that in himself, we all live in a sin-cursed world. Young people pass away all the time. And we don't know when our last day is. Make today the day of your salvation. Don't. Don't let Christ come into earth to save all men from sin. Don't let it apply to everyone but you. Take it. Take it upon yourself to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Father, this morning I am grateful, Lord, for this opportunity we have to be together in this place and to hear your word. I do pray for Gary's family. Pray for his daughter. I'm speaking to her and I ask her, you know, I told her that that her father was saved, I believe he was, and I asked if she was, and she said, well, I was baptized as a kid. That's not saved. Lord, have mercy there. Have mercy that she would repent in her heart, Lord, that she would seek your face. Have mercy on that family as they have to come to grips with, with what happened. And um, his grandkids there, just have mercy in that, Lord. Father, I pray for this fellowship. I pray that people would be emboldened this morning as they hear the word, that they would be, they would be just engaged, energized, ready to go out and, and speak the truth of what they know. Tell somebody Merry Christmas and then explain why it should be Merry and why Christ's name is in the, is in the logo. Have mercy on us for being, for being weak 
preachers of righteousness, Lord. Give us boldness to speak the word in spirit and truth. Father, uh, be with us this week as we go, Lord. I, I pray for those that are sick in our, in our body right now, Jimmy Baldwin and, and um, Strong and Amanda and, and others, you know, uh, Lionel, Jenny Dalton, Vince. Lord, for these are carrying different burdens of sickness. Those physical things that come upon us because of the world that we live in. Lord, I pray for your mercy in that. I pray for this, this season as we prepare for this week to, to spend time with family. Lord, I pray that we're bold in our witness to our families. Lord, I pray for our fellowship that we're going to have tonight, Lord, as we have it with the Hispanic church. Lord, that you would be amongst us. Lord, that we could encourage one another. We're all in the same conflict. We're in a conflict with a world that would seek to, to crush the spirit of the, of the Most High God. Lord, I pray for God's people to rise up and to speak boldly of, of the hope that's within them. Lord, if there be anyone here tonight, today, that's, uh, that is not saved, Lord, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. They would, they would speak to someone. They would, they would ask, not just to be introduced, but they would want to know and to move in with the Most High God, Lord. Thank you for your goodness to us, for your care for us, your love for us, Lord. In all these things, we give you all the honor, praise, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to tell you that we are having a hoedown, throwdown tonight at the Plant Grow Harvest. We're going to sing some songs, some Christmas songs together, some in English, some in Spanish. The message will be in English. Um, it's not going to be a long message. I think we're just going to have like a, a short devotion and we may just read scripture. We're, 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 me and Mardo are kind of trying to figure that out right now. But I pray you'll come, spend time with our sister church. I know a lot of you are not overly interested in coming in the evening service, and, and that's fine. But as a body, just to encourage that sister church of ours here in Crossville, they, they run through different hardships than we have, but in similar things. They've got similar things going on in their church we have in ours. And um, kind of a leadership change there at First Baptist, too, so things could, could change there as well. But you don't have to bring any presents. Uh, we're going to have a meal for you, and uh, we'll have a piñata. We'll try to figure out some games to play with them, and, um, and, uh, and it's a good time together. It really is good, and it's a good time to uh, practice your Spanish greetings and uh, whatever Spanish you know. So it is a good time. These are good people, and they're, and they're God's. They're, they're our family, and, um, and uh, though we can kind of struggle with conversation now, but we, eventually in heaven we'll all be speaking the same language. So look forward to that. Gonzo, or I mean. Uh, Pastor Marto Kale is a good man and, and trying to lead a good body there. So hope to see you tonight, 6 o'clock, and um, service right at 6. And um, I think we'll call that. You wanna, do you want to play that song or no? <laughs> we were going to sing a song. Jed says no. No. I, I, uh, yeah, use this, use this season to tell others about the hope that's within you. Take a donut. God bless you all. We'll see you this evening at 6. Meals, desserts, it'll be a good time. God bless you all. Oh, man. You working all week?